try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. and you're coming in on this conversation. <laughs> this is a killer conversation. Shay is in the head. So here's the thing. We have just warmed up the conversation and I want to take it to the next level because one of the things I know that you do really well is culture and we can just bring this because going on, I want to take what you just said before. Mm-hmm. And you said, so one of the things, oh, you say it because you did it with, so well <laughs> the stakeholders there. Well, with Shay, we're just talking about stakeholders and how do we, how do we get our children to be forward in, um, forward in coming forward and staking their place mm-hmm. as a stakeholder and, and being more involved, coming forward, asking questions and making themselves um, more important in their own future because yeah, it's a really, time for them. It's a really interesting question as my daughter has literally just finished Year 12, <laughs> like wow. Thursday. Um, wow. so the weight has lifted. She hates well done, Mama Bear. Well done, Mama Bear. <laughs> so two down, one to um, Look, it's, it's really... Um, it's so interesting because I think I've got an eldest boy, he's 19, a 17-year-old girl and a 12-year-old who are Rohan Jacinta know um, as well, and they're all really different. So how they would actually tackle um, putting themselves into the future is is really different individually, and I think it does come from us as parents, as leaders, allowing them to have thoughts, have opinions, encourage that questioning mind at home I think school and education plays a part in that as well Um, and allowing them to kind of then find their way in the world to you know do that for themselves and and putting it out there but I think that um, you know there's there's a real difference between um, whether people are actually feeling heard and I think that that becomes down a lot to uh, how do people listen? Do they listen to respond or do they actually listen to hear and be curious about what's going on for that person? And I think that if we can maybe be a bit more curious about the people that we're with, the cultures they're from, their biases, see behaviours as like a hint to maybe something to ask some more questions, I think then they were, we're kind of going to allow them to have a 1% shift that can end up being part of that 1% movement. And it just starts with that just one small thing. So that's what Shari, I something, something Shara and I did with the kids when they were growing up, we used to do high-low mm-hmm. at dinner time. And they couldn't get out of it and they'd roll their eyes and they would <laughs> really and, and but what that did was give us an understanding of their day, what was important to them, whether it be a negative thing or a positive thing. And we learned so much from that ten minutes at the dinner table. Hilo high. They had to high. Yep. yep. We do we do magic moment what are you grateful for? Um, yeah, to, 
and, yeah. And, yeah, and the grateful yeah. forms are often the one that's the indicator of the low. If they're really struggling to find something, that's where you can kind of have the conversation. Yeah. And we'll do that as at work as well. Um, we've got quite a large team in our, our company and we actually did a generational map for everyone because um, we had a lot of the young people coming in, whether they were straight out of school um, as high school grads or had finished university and were sort of coming into their first job where, you know, you've got the classic things where they don't know how to write a subject line on an email or sign it off properly or use a calendar, like all those things to time management. Um, but it was interesting. Um, we each quarter send out a document to help us plan. So we get everyone to go through their accomplishments, their lessons learned, their strengths, their weaknesses, their trend, the trends that they're seeing. Um, and then we get them to kind of roll it up into tactical operating priorities. And I'll ask some questions at the end, which is um, I, overall, I'm happy about the things I see that you don't see. And I wish, right? So those three questions are always my favourite because we we get to sort of see inside people's minds. So, of course, our son who's working with us at the moment says, you don't know how to look after young people. I'm like, awesome. Okay. All right. Shouldn't be a problem. I said, all right, well, that's probably true. What do you think you need? And so all our Gen Zs, we actually gathered them all together and we ran a day with them because I said, you know, you guys all said we didn't get you, so let's try and understand you. But what I did do in that was we actually ran a values game. So we had those cards and we, we literally put all the cards on the floor, got them around in a circle, there's about 20 of them, and I said to them, okay, go and grab your values. You've got 30 seconds. And they were like, what? And so they all grabbed their values and they had different values and they had values they didn't want and they just picked one and some didn't get any. And, um, you know, so we facilitated them, you know, discussing their values what they meant and swapping over and then, you know, if someone's got the same word, what's their definition, what's their rules behind And I suppose I really do that a lot with my team and use lots of profiling and ways to access values because that's what really helps people change their perspectives and I think that's really important to understand where other people's perspectives are coming from. Shay's got some smartness man we've had a lot of conversations in leadership around culture um, and these guys are doing some amazing things within their organization Um, but what I love about what you guys do is you you are curious you have the conversations and then you put action to those things. And yeah. and I think that's the difference to a lot of people. You know, there's, yeah, I mean, there's steps along that way that lots of people will do one of those steps or maybe half of those steps, but you take that through a pathway. Yeah, and, and I think I have to thank you for asking me some really great questions to get curious about culture and behaviour and what we're all trying to do you know, ultimately we want to make the world a better place, right? And our company motto is we're powered by purpose and and my purpose is to help people find their innate genius. So if I'm not getting curious about them and not then allowing them to get curious about themselves, how are we going to make that shift? Um, you know, I think about my youngest on, on the spectrum and there's a whole lot of mm-hmm. numbers, letters, words, all sorts of things that could go up. That. We, won't, we won't go in here. 
But I see um, that leaders who would have to lead him into the future are not equipped to cope with anyone who's neurodivergent. And, I mean, he's quite extreme yeah. with his awesome neurodivergentness. Um, <laughs> I relate. <laughs> but even if you just take, you know, what's kind of become very accepted would be yeah. two things like dyslexia and yeah. ADHD, yeah. leaders aren't even equipped with tools to help those people reach their potential, um, yeah. whether they're managing them or leading them. And so then, you know, I, I something like random came on TikTok and this lady with ADHD said, I've never been considered for promotions because everyone thinks I'm flaky. I'm like, that's oh. sad, you know, what? and she's in her 50s. Wow. And I'm like, that's not cool. Everyone's got amazing gifts. So how do we do that? But that's the thing, Shay. Like I have to say to you, for so many years of my life, I felt very misunderstood. I thought I was really dumb. That's what I was told I was dumb, right? But what I, what was the problem was, and they didn't talk about, I mean, this kind of, that shows my age, right? They didn't talk about dyslexia at school. They didn't nope. talk about people that think differently at school. If you didn't think like the school taught, then you must yeah. not be smart, right? Yes. And so... And that became a disability rather than actually my difference now is my genius zone and because I do think differently. But I was one of those people that go, I think there is actually some smart brain cells in here (laughs) (laughs) that I need to kind of figure out because if I could actually access them to help other people, (laughs) these smart brain cells could actually make a difference in this world. I was one of those people that could do that. And it was very, very difficult. And I think for many, many years, I think it's why I've struggled for a long time to go, where do I fit? How do I fit? What does that look like? And and what has been amazing is I've been able to find out how to access that. I now do that as my work and have done for years. And now I get to help others to be able to do that. I believe that we have to start thinking, how can we do this differently and stop keeping on doing it the same way and wondering why we're getting the same results. I really do think, you know, in, in what you said earlier about the having more in-depth conversations, the reasons we're not having more in-depth conversation isn't because some of us are not willing to have it. I don't know about you, but if I have a, some of the in-depth conversations I have, they look at me so blank <laughs> and go, what is, what she, is on? she on about? Right? Yeah. And I've had to, in a lot of ways, dumb down my conversations so that I don't make someone else feel oh, bad about themselves mm-hmm. or I don't um, make them feel uncomfortable yes. or feel like I'm somebody that... that exactly. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something we have got to learn. And, again, going who are the stakeholders at the table if we're going to bring different distinctions to the table, we have to be comfortable to maybe have people that are a little smarter than you at the table. Yes. Yes. Or have, exactly, yeah. or have, you know, I we had Mike A on, the, on uh, the conversation, you know, at one stage this morning. Now that guy knows how to kick ass with dollars and building out growth at a speed that I cannot compare. But I tell you, I feel just as confident having a conversation with him as I do anyone else at the table. And, you know, we have to learn how to navigate the differences at the table to build out 
where we need to go going forward. And I wonder, going back to the more in-depth conversations, you know, maybe if we had smarter humans coming to the table, we'd make smarter decisions. I think that's true and I think that what's important is maybe another way of looking at it rather than saying dumbing down what you're saying is how can we make it so that we can allow everyone to access what you're seeing in a different way. And I think that, you know, for me, like you're really visual and I'm not, I'm super auditory. So, you know, all the visual people, like I love their pictures and they draw stuff. I totally get them, but I can't see it like that in my mind. And and I often then use that and think about that when I'm trying to explain things and people don't get it. And, I, and I'll say this to my foundation leaders, like, if your team are not understanding what you're saying, then you have to change how you're doing it because it's on you, right? So, yeah. you know, maybe I'll put it back to you, Kira Marie, and say, okay, how can you change what you're saying and how you're saying to allow more people to have access to it? So we're taking just one. You've asked me that question. Here's the thing that I've done, right? Because in a lot of ways, and I talked about this this morning, in a lot of ways I was, depending who you are, depends what conversation I have with you. So imagine that on social media, right? All of a sudden this person has all these split personalities. So who is she? What is she really about? And how can she help and serve, right? It, it is so confusing for the general population. Yes. So I literally went back to the drawing board and that's what happened this year, going, okay, I get that. And and I always think of it this way. I'll, I actually really love this concept. But um, I went back to that drawing board going, if there was just one thing, I didn't want to go back to niching down into going, I only serve this person. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, if I'm to bring different distinctions to the table, stakeholders back at that table again, mm-hmm. and we are going to have a different conversation, I cannot just work with this no. person that looks like this, sounds like this, no. and I'm going to do it this We're way. Shop, right? I cannot do that. So I needed to go, okay, I want to work, whether you're an emerging leader, not that you're just at the beginning of leadership, but maybe at the beginning of thinking that there needs to be a new approach to how you do it. And then there might be the one that's an influencer that is already doing some really cool crap, but wants to take it to that next level. And then it's the one that's right in the legacy, knows where they're going, what they're doing, and every day is about leaving behind that legacy and living in that legacy. That is a different spectrum. So imagine doing that on social media. Mm -hmm. Which one do I speak to? Mm -hmm. Who is it? How does that look, right? I went back to the drawing board. This is where the 1% movement became the first touch point because this is the entranceway into my world. Mm right? Because it doesn't matter if you're at the legacy level. It doesn't matter if you're an emerging leader. It doesn't matter if you're an influencer. Every one of us has something in our hands that we can go and do our 1% shift. And that became my entrance way. So that became the way I could communicate what is often, depending what conversation, where you're at, where you want to be at, depends at what conversation that means that I get to talk. I get to talk about the same things, but I can talk at it whether it's at global leaders 
sitting at tables that we are looking at the future of leadership across the nations. And then I can talk to the boardroom room full of males that maybe some females would find very, very difficult. And then I can speak to the everyday person that's mm. just going, hey, I'm not really sure what I've got in my, in my world, but what could I do? And the same thing is the same principles, the same mm. kind of conversation, just at different levels at that stage and that's what I learned and then on the other side so that if you came into my world and one day I'm going to have this on the website but it's not there yet because we're just getting to that point um I've got to do it at a pace Michelle can cope with um, (laughs) not that she's listening over here right now but like Her finger was like trying to make up, you know, this movement. Which one, Michelle? Um, But here's the thing, Shay. Like in all seriousness, from the 1% movement, now what I want from behind is you can, do you know that book when you're a kid and you got to go choose your own pathway? Yeah. yeah. The Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah, they were awesome. Exactly. And that's what you get to do in my world on the other side of it Mm. because I believe that our problems, our starting point is going to be different depending who you are, where you're at. And so the solution that you need, the pathways to get there is going to be different. So you could actually build out your own pathway to get there. I had to learn how to to, um, do that and to do it in a way that I don't need to dumb down what I'm talking about. Because sometimes if I talk to everyone the way that I talk sometimes at the tables, it sounds so complex. And, you know, my husband is a great example of it. And um, he says it himself all the time. He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, he doesn't because it's just not the language that he uses. It's not what he's. um, So I've had to learn not only to bring it at that level that is complex for the right spots, but if I really want a spectrum of people to be able to understand so that we can bring more distinctions to the table, then I need to know how to communicate in a different way over here. Mm, And our communication has to be different. Mm. And I think communication takes time too, doesn't it? Like learning how to communicate. I mean, we've all been to places where we've had that new job and everyone's speaking like a different language for the first three months. Like you're trying to get into the acronyms and what they're doing. And I think it's like that. Yeah, Russ, you were going to say something. Remember that saying: seek to be, uh, seek to understand, not to be understood. Yours is almost you're trying to turn that on its ear. You're trying to ask, get people to understand what you're trying to say on so many different levels. Yeah. So there's something you've already got to turn on. That whole thought process where you're not, you need to be understood. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that I learned, right, was that I had a brain. I thought everyone thought like me. Now, the good news is that you don't all think like me. Let's get clear about that. But but the thing was I, I honestly thought everyone thought like me. And so I couldn't understand why you weren't understanding me. You've had that. You've yeah. had that same thing when you've been explaining things. Yeah, to- I'm explaining it, I think, so clearly. And Russ is yeah. looking at me like, at 100 what mile an hour on light day show. At three in the morning because that's when it comes to me. I'm like, what? why don't you get this, Look, man? The, light, the lights are on. I'm rubbing my eyes. Well, my lights are on too and I'm going a million miles an hour. I'm getting 10,000 words just dumped on me at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, do you get it? He's like, what? <laughs> right? Yeah. One of my friends is like, Okay, which conversation are we having right now? Where are we at? Like I'm I'm processing right. all of this, but which one is it? 
I'm like, oh, it's this one. And he's like, okay, right, back there. Four conversations ago, keep up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> had this on the way here. Oh, like, right. I'm so moved on. Like, why? Oh. My head, you know, his head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're still together after 30 years, so we must have That's worked amazing. that out. Yeah, <laughs> we work it out. Same with Jason and I. He'll he'll just go like, which? Okay, what are we? What are we doing? Like, what's what's happening? Okay, it's that conversation. Keep it simple. Get direct to the point. Exactly. Yeah. Pick your battles. Yeah. Pick your battles. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, and I, and I love the fact. In in the case of Taki today, he came on here and he goes, "I have no idea how to do this because, like, in our world, Shay, right? Like, he goes, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing next, yeah. and this is how I'm saying it. In my world, I'm like going, I know where I want to take this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see where the day goes. But in the same way. I want to navigate it. If we want to have a different conversation, mm. I've got to be able to role model how we can navigate a different conversation yes. on the table. And while I've got smart people coming in from everywhere across the globe, mm. we need to be able to, I don't want to come with my biases, my conditionings and go, this is how we're going to do it and this is what we're going to do. Mm. Or otherwise we're going to repeat yep. the old approach. Sure. So I have to role model that. Now, there's not always a framework for that. I mean, there is in my head because I get to, like, play in different ways that I do. I always say the easiest way to think of how my brain works is thinking a mind map because mm. every time I'm having a conversation, I'm basically putting different things. Bubbles up. Absolutely, and then putting the pathways yeah. to it. hundred little, little circled notes on a piece of paper and people go, are they your notes? Well, you know what? Oh, I know everything on here, mm. everything, and I know how to put it all together when I need it. Everyone works differently. Same way Jake's brain works. I think about I think about it like he's in a game, right? Where yeah. you go into his world and then it's almost like Minecraft or things, like he's expanding it and building it as he goes. But to, to understand yeah. it, you've got to be in it. Minecraft, yeah. Yeah, I always think, um, you know, people have, clients have said to me in the past, they go, you're like the town planner. And I go, what are you talking about? They go, you've got like the main things. And then you ask the, all these questionnaires and they'll start placing all the different pieces the trees, and then you get the pathways to go into it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is kind of, it is kind of my brain. How did you know? <laughs> but isn't that the way that if we are to build it out different and build culture in a new way, that we have to learn how to have these conversations mm -hmm. where we don't all think the same way and we don't, we you know. Want that. Yeah. Imagine. But we do want to share because if oh. we didn't want it, then I think the world would find these conversations really easy to navigate. Mm. I think right? it's mastering, mastering healthy conflict. I think that, you know, mm. conflict's kind of got a bad name now um, where you can't, have a difference of opinion or a different thought or have a healthy debate about something um, and be curious about the different perspective that someone's coming from and really try to understand it. And I think that, you know, the challenge we've got is that social media has kind of allowed us to go in this um, complete track of our own opinions and thoughts and you know, we're sort of stuck in our in our zone of where we are. To reach out of it um, is really difficult because the algorithm wants you to force you to see what you normally see. So it takes effort now to go and go outside that and go and think differently about about things. It's it, you have to make the choice to do it. So how do we do that better? Look, I think you know more conversations like this, gathering yeah. people together. Um, you know, 
doing doing things where uh, I mean for me when I'm talking whether it's with my Gen Z team or our emerging leaders or our foundation leaders or even our leadership team it's it's you know what's what's the different conversation like you need to own your trigger you need to own your opinion I always talk to everyone and say you know like whatever's happening at the moment if it's a team member or something imagine they're in the middle of a diamond okay and it's got all these facets and you're bringing your whole baggage and life and opinion and everything to your facet to look at this situational person in the diamond. Try and now go and move yourself and be able to see that situational person from all the different other perspectives. Try and even see it from their perspective. And yeah. that can be really difficult because what then the leaders and the you know individuals have to do is become um, conscious of their bias, of their judgment, of their triggers. Maybe they're not going to deal with those, but to really then be able to separate themselves from it to be able to make a better choice in the moment and go and deal with their their stuff. And I was just saying to our team the other day, like, are all of you starting to become aware now of when your body kicks off and you're having a physiological reaction to something in a moment around work or people so that you know that the trigger the choice that you're making and the situation that's happening now from something in the past. We've been chatting for like nine months and they were like, no. And I said, okay, well, I can tell you you all are. Go, go away this next fortnight and really start to notice your body and the reactions and the situations at work and the stuff that's happening. Um, you know, and this team are really open to working and, you know, we're in a coaching business, like they're all, all wanting to kind of do that and they're, they're still not conscious. And I think that this is one of the things we, we need it to happen quickly and we want it to happen fast, but I think the world's been so unconscious of this for so long that the actual waking up is taking a really long time and a lot of effort and that's why it's important we're all doing it as however we can. Something else too, you've got the distinction between opinion and agenda. Mm. How, how do you uncover that when someone someone brings something to the table? So define what that? you firstly, and I think this is this is part of the conversation, is when you bring two words like that, what were they again? Opinion, opinion and agenda. 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 What I think is agenda, what I think is opinion could be very, very different to what you bring. So I ask you again, what do you think those two words mean? Well, agenda being trying to push your own cut, your own your own mm-hmm. line through a conversation where opinion is more objective. Hmm. So I, I don't think that way. Opinion across the table. I'm, isn't just, it? I'm, interested, <laughs> I'm interested in your take on this show, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, well, an agenda is a neutral term, really. We have an agenda. We're going to run to it. It's it's how wow. we view the agenda and we put it together that gives it that nuance that you're talking about. Is I'm running an agenda. There's an assumption it's negative. What if it's not negative? There's an agenda we've got here where we're wanting people to wake up consciously in how they're being in the world, how they're leading people and how, how we want to do things differently. There is an agenda. We are all in agreement that it's a good agenda. To wake up humanity. Yeah. I mean, we all know this thing about opinions. I mean, opinions are just that. Like it's my personal perspective on a particular thing. You know, 
the the reason whether the opinion is useful or not is is it coming from a place of expertise yeah. you know yes um like because you know our business is around you know investment and property coaching we all joke there's an internal joke here we're like oh that person went to a barbecue and asked someone and they gave them a thought about which was the best property right that's an opinion yeah. that's not useful because it's like oh i my read the newspaper and blah 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 whereas you know, when our team actually come out and have an opinion about something, it's based on a ton of data and research and things they've looked and, you know, 10,000 hours of looking at properties across every Australian New Zealand market. They Their opinion is actually more valid because they know what they're talking about. Um, and I think that we've always got to be careful in how we colour our words um, and how we colour the words that we hear. I oh, the words. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean Thank to interrupt, you. but I really. No, no, that's I was finished. That's what I was saying. I love that. Colour our words. Um, I think communication is is something that is very much old school, old approach, and that we have to look at the way. You know, it's it's funny because. It's something that I do a lot of around words. Like I talk about humanity as stakeholders, right, and the fact that if we were to uh, make decisions where every time you make a decision it's going to add to the human race, not take away from. Humanity feels to a lot of people, oh, you're talking about the vast out there, and I just say humanity is you and I. And stakeholders, again, that word, stakeholders, Um, for me, that's a measure of value. When we put a value of, we we go, this is a stakeholder, this is what we're doing, this is what we're owning. And it's like when you own something that is you and I owning that, we are going to make it priority. And what became such a big complex concept in lots of people's brain because they were used to talking about humanity meaning out there. Here's the thing. You and I make up humanity. We are a part of the local, the individual, the collective, and the global. Oh, so that conversation that we used to think was out here is actually right right here. And, again, it's communication. It's how we see those words, right? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's 100% that. And and I think teaching... You know, people about values, like when I'm teaching um, my leaders, so my, you know, old school managers, if you wanted to call them that, because they've, you know, been great at their job and now they're coming to lead a team of people and manage them, um, is, you know, their common complaint is they're not doing what I ask them to do. And, And a great way to help the team is for them to understand that person's values and what are their rules around it. So, you know, we can see they have loyalty and respect and happiness but what do they mean what does what are their actual rules around that and when we did this exercise with everyone we had two young people who valued independence not surprisingly when they're straight out of school independence one of them it meant financial freedom you know and another person it meant not being told what to do hey george nice to see you so we're chatting about people's values and how they could use the same word such as independence, but someone would see independence as financial freedom and another person would mean it as but not being told what to do. So on the surface, if you're looking at company group values or those sorts of things, 
you'll get completely different interpretations of what that actual word and their rules are around it. And so in our organisation, like when we're talking about curiosity, I ask those leaders to get curious about what their team's actual rules are around the values that they put there because sometimes we'll have two people in a team who have the same rule around respect or loyalty but how they see it and they execute it are completely different Um, and it's important to understand that because then you can actually, you know, speak to that person's values to help them do the job that you need them to do but also for them to find themselves within the organisation and find an identity to keep it moving forward as well. So it's an important shape for you to understand their interpretation. 100%. Their leader. The way they we spend so much time at work, right, and with our work colleagues, if we don't like the job that we do, we're not sitting in the right seat on the bus and we're not happy about it, like why are you, why are you there? I don't, I don't want you there as a human. Like that's cruel and miserable. Like that's the worst case scenario for me. So, you know, I really want you to be happy and if you're not happy, let's find out where you can be happy. Like if it's not happy here, let's send you off on your way. Um, if you love being here but you're not sitting in the right seat, let's move you where you can actually be productive. Um, but to do that, the team have to be curious and you have to create some curiosity amongst them and to ask about the rules and the things which then make a conversation. So even today our team in Manila um, came up and said, like, hey, I think we should be doing this this way. Um, which is amazing because majority of the time I was really respectful and, you know, I'm lost, I wouldn't bring up or all those things. And I'm like, that is fantastic, Claire. Thank you so much. Let's let's work out what we can get rid of so you can actually go and do that because I think that's a great idea. And so it's it's just all those little shifts. I mean, it is called the 1% movement for a reason, right? You know, my team, I run the marketing team in our company and we're always like, you know, 1% on the landing page, 1% on the open rate, 1% on the click-through rate, 1%, just all those 1% cumulatively make a huge difference. Um, And, you know, that's why I'm really for this movement and what we're doing here as well because it's the 1% that make a huge difference. She is a smart lady. lady. She's extremely smart, this one. Yeah. Yeah. But she's smart because... I, and I think you're smart because you're you're willing to ask questions when you don't know always the answer to. And when you know the answer, you're also extremely certain about that answer as the answer as well. And you you live it, you smell it, you breathe it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I think what's important to me too is if I've learned it, I want to share it. Um, there's no point you finding something out and keeping it to yourself. That doesn't serve anyone, especially not good. So good. So, yeah, and I think that's actually what we were talking about earlier, that that that's not an actual normal thing in the Australian culture, right? Um, (laughs) You know, I just go back to the whole tall poppy syndrome, which is for the Americans, you know, this is such a a big conversation where, you know, like if you are successful or 
think, uh, uh, you know, of any high standard of yourself mm-hmm. that you will get cut down. Yeah. And do you notice that, George? Like, yeah. I know we do because yeah, we've had the conversation, but do you, have you noticed it? Living in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, one thing I picked up when I, when I lived in the States was just the celebration of success mm. and the <laughs> honouring and how it, it was admired. Um, mm. And Australia, you've got, to, you've got to be very careful how you portray that. Yeah, so um, isn't it? Uh, especially in the space, more so in the space that I work in with martial arts school owners, mm. it's uh, because there's such value in the art that for a lot of people, it's um, that's more successful than them. It's very quick to throw. There's actually a term for it called the McDojo, which means like your McDonald's, oh. you turn it into like a, a corporation. Yeah. And so it's really frowned upon. In, you flip a, a burger and a fry and a yeah. So and out the door you go. Yeah. And and it's it's a it's not a nice term because it's mm-hmm. it's typically pointed at people more successful than the other. So it's a good way to throw somebody out of the bus yeah. for, for yeah. their success. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. it's common and, and and probably going further with that, one of the big conversations we've always got to have with school owners is uh, because of that being able to charge their value because it's. It's this tall poppy syndrome that almost comes from the top. So if your mm. master or someone that you look sensei that you look up to is really good at martial arts, but they weren't successful, and now mm. you're you're at the bottom, but you're trying to be successful, but you also don't want to yeah. feel like mm. you're stepping out of the portrayed yeah. value system. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting. interesting way to say it too, right? Portrayed valued yes. system or value system. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so interesting. I, one of the things I was just scribbling some notes as you were talking, um, George, it's that misinterpreted intention, I think, is what sort of came to mind as we've been talking, um, is that, you know, we as stakeholders can go out and communicate with people um, and sometimes we'll get it wrong. And people will assume we're doing stuff for clout or notoriety or all those sorts of things because we're surrounded by people who think this way all the time. And, and so then we kind of forget, you know, when we go out and talk to um, Jason calls it the great unwashed, which is really terrible. But, you know, like, <laughs> go Jason. Go Jason. So out back, Queensland. Um, yeah. You know, like, we, same thing happens. We're talking about social media silos, right? Like you're in your silo of comms and your algorithm. It's the same when we really start talking, you know, in communities. Like all the people who are on here are really behind this and we're wanting to do it. What happens when we take ourselves out, you know, into another sphere of people and try and start that conversation? And I think, Kim Marie, that's what you experienced when you're trying to start these conversations and why you're reworking it because, you're, you were misinterpreted with your intention. Yeah. It's really interesting when you when you experience that, and I just experienced that recently. I'm helping out some um, young people who are putting a project together. It's a fan passion project, um, and I just said, hey, I'll come and mentor you. And as, you know, classic group dynamics, more people came in. Um, my intention of mentoring was misinterpreted by some other people and saying, you know, oh, she's just doing it because she needs the clout. And I'm like, 
I don't need the clout. I've got more than enough of my own clout, right, which, as we know, says more about them than us. But then I was sad, right, because then they chose not to participate in this particular thing that we were doing. And then I think that's that's what makes it sad then, right, because if we if we don't actually make our intention clear in a way that the person who we're wanting to give it to understands, then we miss out on them coming along on the journey with us and it's very hard to then get them back in. You know, we don't get to create that movement or that special intention that we had in the first place and I think that that, that always then feels like a miss and you feel sad. Well, I do. All right, let's pull this in. Shay, it has been amazing having you here. Um, what are you taking from our conversation today? I think what I'm taking is that um, I'm on the right path at empowering the people who are in my sphere of influence as much as possible to go out and take, you know, these thoughts and the things that we're really wanting to make a shift with uh, into their lives in a way that they can understand and make a change. Um, yeah. and I, and I think that it's, it's kind of a nice check-in to go, yep, yeah, okay, keep, keep going because, you know, when we don't always get to have these conversations every day or every week to know if we're on track, right? And sometimes we can point. get caught up in the, in the day-to-day of everything in life. Um, yeah. and it's, it's good to then, you know, have these moments to be able to reflect, right, and and talk yeah. about, oh, look, Jason's here. I could call him in. <laughs> oh, Jason. Hello, hello. Are you doing what's, good, bro? Uh, what's going on? I've seen a few of your 1% things floating around. Oh, my gosh, they just keep coming, don't they? Oh, that's fantastic. So have you put your 1% up on the wall? I I haven't. Um, I've, I've, been, I've been seeing the post, but I'm, 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 now you've got to tell me what it's all about. Well, you know, what we figure out is this. If you do your 1%, she does her 1%, George does his, I do mine, Sha does hers, Michelle does hers, Russ does his, we actually could maybe possibly narrow that gap from problem to solution That'd across be the what, globe. 8%. It's there we go. Already. Yeah. It's good. I, I go and put my shirt on. Yep. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's um, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting one because it caught my eye because we've got a thing called the One Percent Club with our um with our investors. So it's, a, it's like oh, what's the one percent? Yeah, move move at one percent at a time. Everyone does a bit. Yeah. Exactly. And here's the thing. I have a real belief that say if I got a billion names, we've got the wall of humanity, which uh, Shay will teach you how to put your profile up there after this. Um, and because uh, we would love you to be on the 1% wall. Um, and here's the thing that we, that I really truly believe. If we could get a billion names of people committing to doing their 1% by, say, 2052, it's predicted that would be about a tenth of the population. And I'm thinking if the tenth of the population were making decisions at the table where that was going to add value to the human race, not take away, we could actually see changes in culture across the globe. And that, my friend, is the 1% movement. I love it. Good, uh, yeah. good compounding Good compounding interest on uh, activity, isn't it, really? At the end of the day, yes. you know, a little bit will go a long way if it's done by a lot of people. 
Correct. And the reality is not one of us can do and change what is happening across the globe in a massive, massive way, but all of us as a collective, we actually can make quite a difference. And I'm determined to think that that would bring hope for the generations to come, not just now. Very nice. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> Gee, Jason, I'm feeling it today. Oh, I think I think you've been on back to back zooms all day. Marie, getting, I Let's sign off because Shay has brought it to the table. She has done awesome. I do want to ask, just as we're signing off, uh, George, what did you take from our conversation? I was a bit late to the party. You were, but you can still take something. What I took was defining values and what it means for someone. So just defining a word is not going to give the depth of values. So you Mm. can do that values, maybe give it a... Explain what it's or clarify what it means for a particular person. Like mm-hmm. we always tell our clients, you can uh, you can send a text message to someone, and if, like the word "okay" could be "okay" in capital letters, or Ooh. in lowercase, it could be capital letters "okay." It could be <laughs> three question marks "okay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got all these. You know, just the word "okay" could be taken and perceived in so many different ways, and I get that with the same with values. Is mm. you've got to go that one layer deeper and just uh, clarify what it means to someone. Yeah, love that. What about you, Sha? Yeah, I love the whole value things as well, thing as well. And, you know, your definition of your value system to everyone else's doesn't make it wrong or right. It's your value system. And it's often mm. come from our upbringing and the environments that we're in. And defining them can be quite difficult sometimes. So if we're challenged by them we need to make sure that we don't give our value system up because someone else's opinions of our value system are, are stronger than what we have in that time. I think it's really important to stand guard by your value system and if it sits well with your integrity line and your truth line, stay with it. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm taking from this conversation is that you never know who is watching behind the scenes and uh, they may actually hear there's a 1% movement and you would never know they were uh, even lurking beyond and then that's when you get them on here and you say, hey, is your name up on the wall of humanity? <laughs> you go, wow, actually, <laughs> now that you mention it, Kerry Rank. But here's the truth, and I really do believe it's the truth, that all of the communication, in, and this goes back to a lot of what was said earlier, Shay, that um, in our whole conversation here is that communication is really key. How we perceive words or our biases and conditionings we have with words is really important in the way that we are willing to communicate, willing to step into the next of what that can look like. And I think all of us, and myself included in this, there's an importance to go, how am I communicating that? What am I wanting to communicate? And is it being received in a way that is uh, the way that you'd want it to be, building out the culture that you want it to, um, you know, be building. And then, of course, uh, reflecting you as a person and what that looks like. So thank you for our conversation. I always love it. And, by the way, you're looking real beautiful today. Jason, you better be telling me about lots. You're looking stunning. I've been, been very, very well. 
in all my healthy wellness. So we'll catch up on I that. Can, I can it's tell glowing. you're looking good. You're looking real good. Also and, good uh, lighting, right? You know, because we're all good with cameras. <laughs> I, I think the combination is working for you. So thank you. Appreciate you. And Jason, you always. Ciao. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Right, and I think you guys yeah. are ready to head off, aren't yeah. you? So, Russ, I want to thank you guys for being here. But, like, big conversations, right? Yeah. Heavy conversations, but good. You wanted to go deep. Did we go deep enough? For sure. And probably beyond what I was ready for. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good or a bad thing? It's a good thing because yeah. it makes you think deeper. Like, it does. There's takeaways from that. Okay, Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I love it. I love conversations when you're dealing with people at this level because you never know where it's going to go and it's either a great reminder or something that you didn't think of in that way because it's their perspective on something. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.